Good morning. So great to see you guys. Happy Thanksgiving to those of you joining us on our live stream. Thanks for being here with us as well. Well, listen, this morning I wanted to prepare us to do Thanksgiving this week. And I, I want us to sit in that category significantly. You know, it's one of the, I don't know, it's, it's a unique holiday that has been stood up. It's an extremely biblical holidays. You're going to see this morning as we interact with God's word, but it probably has become a little bit of a speed bump in our society, hasn't it? It's like, I mean, you got all this build up, this, you know, the school year starts in September and next thing you know, there's decorations and there's a lot of noise about Halloween. And, and then right about the time anything Thanksgiving starts to show up, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but Black Friday has spread like a cancer. Right, it's no longer one day, it's been, and it's very confusing for those of us who are simple-minded because apparently, it's not about Friday. It's about everything being black. I guess uh, every day, uh, maybe just Black November would be the better thing to do because I, I get a notice every day of some Black Friday special that's going on. I'm thinking it's it's Monday, it's Tuesday, it's October. I mean, it just uh, everything's Black Friday. So we, we push right past, right? Remember, Black Friday used to be that day after Thanksgiving when you've, you know, you've eaten to the full and then you've run through malls to try and find the ultimate gift for kids at the cheapest price possible. Uh, so that, that's, that's enough to make you kind of forget about Thanksgiving. And then, then of course, Christmas. Um, we have Christmas decorations up here, as you noticed. And this is... This is which, by the way, can, can we just thank the folks who labor every year to do this? Liz and her crew who come and this is a massive space to decorate. You know, when you think about decorating your own home, which I'm intimidated by, you have no idea how this place swallows up decorations. I mean, it is hard to decorate this much space. But every year these guys serve us. But uh, decorate, actually we're serving them by having our decorations a little bit early this year because it's hard for them to decorate during the Thanksgiving week. But you'll notice Christmas is starting to show up. I mean, it's like September, right? I mean, I think the places were decorated for that. I was sitting in Starbucks doing some studying a couple of weeks ago and then Christmas music, they're playing Christmas music. This is a couple of weeks ago. And so Thanksgiving is sort of like just caught in the crossfire of all kinds of noise. But today what I want to do is, is I want to put Thanksgiving back on the map and, and I want to give it some weight. And so actually I've already had one of the elders who came to pray with me this morning saying, saying you're, you're preaching a Thanksgiving message from Romans chapter one. Uh, yes. And you're going to see why in just a moment. So if you have a Bible, turn to Romans chapter one with me. Uh, if you have a Bible or an app that can stay open there, we're going to interact with a, with a passage there for a little bit. Can I just encourage us again? This, this is a holy moment in our lives, like no other moment in our week. Lots of other things are important. This moment of interaction with God's word is uniquely ordained to have an impact on our lives. So if you're a device person with a Bible in your device, go ahead and close your other apps so you're not tempted to flip over there real quickly and answer that text that your aunt is really mad you didn't get back to her yesterday about. Don't be tempted to answer aunt so-and-so this morning. But here's what I want to do in, in Romans chapter 1. I want to take us to what looks like a rather small place. In Romans chapter 1. If you're familiar with Romans chapter 1, if the Bible's kind of new for you, maybe you're not. But in Romans chapter 1, you get probably one of the more detailed explanations for what on earth went wrong around here. Right? If you're new to the planet, welcome. Uh, but you've shown up into a place where there's a lot of broken, busted up, not working, painful, difficult stuff going on. Just watch the news, hang out with some people, do life a little bit. So how do we understand what took place? Well, I'm going to illustrate today that Romans chapter 1 presents, if you will, this, this collapse of human life. This great collapse. It's almost a slow motion collapse. It kind of reminds me a little bit of, you know, remembering the World Trade Center watching that building collapse, probably in our lives, the greatest collapse in the history of anything we can remember. You guys remember that morning? 
I mean, it's one of those events where you remember where you were. I think the elders we had just met for prayer uh, walked out of that meeting, and the church secretary kind of just mentioned to me, said, uh, I think it was the World Trade Center was on fire or something. Um, I'm like, what? They had an airplane hit the World Trade. I'm like, what? And I remember just watching it. And then you remember watching it. There wasn't like... Uh, people announcing this thing that said, okay, probably about three or four minutes, probably about 10 or 15 minutes, the whole building's going to collapse. I didn't think it was going to collapse. So when it just started to just disintegrate right before your eyes, I mean, it was sort of like just sucked the air out of me. So I'm just going, oh, I just wasn't anticipating this massive collapse. And you start thinking about these giant buildings, all the concrete, all the steel that's in them, the windows and the glass and the insulation and the wiring and everything that makes a building what it is and all the office equipment, everything. It just, it was like in slow motion at first. It just started to crumble. And for as big of a collapse as it was, can I I tell you, it started in a very, very small way. Right, all, right, all you nerdy engineers, if those of you who don't know, I'm an engineer. I'm a recovering engineer who turned into a pastor. Um, so I still have to be a nerd from time to time. So what happens when that plane blows up inside the building and disperses the heat from all the fuel? Uh, now, if you haven't done any research on this, which why would you? Unless you're a nerdy engineer. Um, it didn't actually melt the building, right? The actual, the fire wouldn't have been able to burn hot enough to melt the steel. But what it did was it, it heated the steel girders and structure of the building up enough to where it altered the molecular shape of the steel. So there are molecules that make steel what it is. And it altered the molecules shape so that a weakness came into the steel And then what it did was it, listen, hold on to this word, it distorted the steel. And so you you got massive heating on this part and not much heating on this part. And so the steel distorted in that moment. It began to push on itself in ways it wasn't designed to do. And that's when you got joint failure. And so once that happened and enough joints failed in that part of the building, the building couldn't stand anymore. But it started with a temperature rise and a little bitty molecular shift. What we have in this passage today is humanity in a pile of rubble. But I want to take us to the point where something little happened. And the rest of this stuff resulted from it. So let let me take you to the rubble. You remember the images of twisted steel structure and frame of the building and piles of concrete and the dust that just scattered everywhere. Well, this is where we begin in Romans towards the end of the chapter in verse 28. Paul says, since humanity did not see fit to acknowledge God. Hold on to that phrase. It's massively important. Since they didn't see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. Right? Don't lose my illustration. A distorted steel did what ought not to be done. It wasn't designed to do what it did when it failed, but it was distorted. So here we have a debased mind so that people begin to do what ought not to be done. Verse 29, they were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient, to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. That's quite a mouthful, isn't it? This is Paul saying, you know what's in this pile of humanity? There's concrete and there's steel and there's glass and there's paper and there's insulation. I mean, he's just describing this thing that collapsed and turned into this pile. This was not 
the original creation. God puts this beautiful building in place. And this is what it becomes as it's just crumbled to the ground. But what I want to get at today, and I'm going to circle back to get to this. I want to get to what I'm going to call the Jenga moment. You guys know what a Jenga moment is? How many of y'all have ever played Jenga? You know what Jenga is? For those of you who haven't played Jenga, Jenga is that game. It's like a puzzle game. And you set up these little pieces of wooden blocks. And you set one upon another, one upon another. So it's like you build a little building. And then the challenge is you've got to pull one out when it's your turn. And everybody pulls one out and pulls another one out, pulls another one out. And the building stays in place for a good while until the Jenga moment. When you reach in and you grab a particular one and you pull on it and everything comes crumbling down. Well, this verse points to a Jenga moment in all of creation when humanity came crumbling down. And, it, and it's tipped off in verse 28 in the beginning of that passage. It says, since they did not. Who, who's to blame here? They did not see fit to do something. To do what? To acknowledge God. Since they did not. That's the turning point here. This is the Jenga moment. Since they did not see fit to acknowledge God. And I'm going to unpack that phrase because it's extremely important a little bit. God gave them up to a different mind than the one that they had had. They now have a different way of thinking and a different mindset. So apparently acknowledging God is massively important because what happens when you don't acknowledge him? Well, all of humanity ends up in a pile of rubble described by that long series of words that Paul was describing. So the creator in this story has been decentralized, if you will. He is de-acknowledged. He was that which was supposed to be acknowledged more than anything else, but now he is de-acknowledged in this equation. So if we back up now to Romans chapter 1, verse 19, Paul says this. <clears throat> he says, what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so that they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not. Here's the second they did not, right? They did not what? They did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. Now, can you figure out while we're studying Romans chapter one, right before Thanksgiving? But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. And exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up to the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. Now, clearly something is said here that might fly in the face of how some think about God. Maybe some feel like, hey, you know, there's, there's not enough evidence for God. You know, I don't know. How do you believe in God? There's no way I could believe in God. You can, you can get that feel in our world. Can, can I just tell you, uh, I, I, I'm, the older I get, the more I'm in touch with what I don't know. Even the stuff that I do know, I, I'm realizing how thinly I know any of it. And yet there is a God who created everything, who knows everything. He's the only one qualified to speak on things with absolute certainty. He speaks into our world and he says, there is a revelation of me. Basically, it's everywhere. It's all around you, right? With words like, it's plain to them. This is how God describes. You think God's hard to find? God turns around and says, hey, pretty plain, quite honestly, uh, because I've shown it to them. 
God has shown himself to humanity. Well, maybe you'd like to be the person to say, well, you know, I don't think he did a very good job. Well, can I just say that the God of the universe who's revealed as perfect in everything that he does, he says he's the one who did the showing. So did he do a bad job? Because remember, the other people in this passage are people who didn't see fit to do something. They just didn't see fit to it. I'm not going to do that. I don't need to do that. God did what he needed to do. He said, it is clearly perceived by them. Clearly. God has done something that is clearly evident and perceivable, God says. And he says, they're without excuse. No one will be able to be excused from not picking up on all these clues. And listen, for a variety of reasons, man can be slow in what he does. Right? If you're a fellow nerd with me, uh, you fellow nerds out there, what is the most prominent element in the universe? See, when Peter asks y'all questions, you can guess, but you know he's going to get you with a question. Right, this is just a nerd question. Anybody know what the most prominent element is? A chemist in the room. Come on. Hydrogen. Who said hydrogen? Okay. You get a refund on your tithes today. Um, <clears throat> hydrogen, right? Uh, and I'm not sure I'm, I've got these numbers right in my memory, but like 70% or something crazy of the universe is hydrogen. Uh, in all the history of humanity, do you know how long it took man to discover hydrogen? 1766, man discovers hydrogen. Quite honestly, it's everywhere, right? It is everywhere in 1766. Some Cavendish guy, boom. Hey, there's this little element out there called hydrogen. Well, welcome to the planet. It's been there forever from the beginning. And it taps into so much about life. Well, God kind of says, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like hydrogen. I'm everywhere. And if you just stare at stuff for a second, it screams something about me. I put stuff of myself, a revelation of me, an awareness, a need for me to exist. It's everywhere you look. So if you see fit not to acknowledge me, that ain't my fault, is it? They saw fit not to acknowledge him. John Piper says, for those who by God's grace love the truth and don't want to suppress it, which is what Romans 1 says people did, creation becomes a dazzling lesson book in theology. It teaches the open mind that there is a deity, an infinitely marvelous being who made the world. It teaches that this being has stupendous power and that he is eternal. The world in its molecular and visible and galactic structure and order bears the mark of an architect. Listen, architects and engineers are honored members of the scientific community, right? Because anybody who's sitting in a building, got a cell phone in your pocket, drove here in a car, maybe has a pacemaker inside your chest... Everybody knows that came from someone. Everybody knows that. Everything that has any form of order came from someone. Right? I guarantee you this. I'll promise you this. When you drive home today, I will promise you, you will not see this scene. You will not drive down your street and find the empty lot that some young couple just bought. And they're sitting there, maybe with a picnic spread, just sitting on the lot and you drive by tomorrow and they're still there. And a week from now, they're still there. And you finally get curious. <clears throat> and you ask them, what are you guys doing? Well, we bought the lot. And we're just waiting for a house to appear. Because <laughs> we heard of this thing called time plus chance. You know, if you just wait long enough, anything can happen, right? You know, initially you'd think this is like a practical joke. This is not real. And then if you drove back six months later, you'd, you'd like call social services or something. These people have lost their minds. Why? Because you would want to be able to sit down with them and, and tell them, can I, can I just tell you, every other house on this block and in the neighborhood that we're in or in the city where we are or in the state that we live in or the nation that we live in or around the, every other house, do you know how it got there? There was an architect 
There was a builder who put that there. I don't know if anybody told you this, but they don't just appear out of nowhere. And the engineer and architect who told that couple that, they would be welcomed in the scientific community to say that. But let's take something as complex and as complicated as human life, as the universe that exists, and let's just say, poof, out of nowhere. (laughs) Why don't we just go sit at the edge of this universe? If we can find it, we're having a hard time. But if we sat at the edge of the universe, let's just wait for the next one to just poof, appear, because that's how they work, right? They just come from nowhere. And, And having been taught a little bit in school about engineering and where stuff come from, that is the most unscientific concept available. That all of our science, all of our laws, all of our rules, all of our things that make us formulate ideas about the physical universe that we live in, but we've got this one idea that doesn't stick to anything else. Stuff appears out of nowhere. Really? No. And God stands and says, the whole universe bears witness to you. There's an architect. Somebody made this stuff. And let me go on in Piper's quote. And if he is the architect of all that is, then he was not brought into being by anyone else and is eternal. An eternally powerful, infinitely marvelous maker of all things is evident from the lesson book of creation. But that's not all we can read in this book. Listen, if there is such an all-powerful, infinitely glorious God who made all things, then I too am his creature. And listen to this word, everything. Hold on to that word, everything. Right? I want you to use it all week long this week. Everything, everything I have is from him. Everything. Who but the creator gives to all men life and breath and everything. Standing before the irresistible logic of the lesson book of creation, I have to admit that everything is a gift. Now, can you start letting a few thoughts pour into your head right now about what's, what's in your everything, in your life? What exists in your life that qualifies for everything in your life? It is a gift. Talked in this awareness is what God is talking about when we acknowledge God. Acknowledging God means recognizing everything is a gift. But something happens in this great collapse, right? In in verse 21, a mind-altering experience comes. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, and they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. So previous to this moment, that is not the condition, but now it is. There's a different mindset It is a mind that's seeking to comprehend, seeking to explain things, seeking to define things, but it's futile in its thinking now. It'll chase around something and never find the right thing. It's darkened in its understanding. So it grasps for things, but it's like closing your eyes and having no idea where you are, but you're trying to make sense of stuff. That, God says, that is the new condition of the mind of man. And then the rest of this story, if you guys want to look with me in verse 22, the rest of this passage, it, it is the moment when the building begins to just particles fly off it. It's that moment when you gasp for air and you go, Oh my gosh, this whole building is coming down. This is this is slow motion collapse beyond that moment. Verse 22. Claiming to be wise. They became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal men and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies 
among themselves. Because, why? Because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. This first crumble is the removal of that which was to be central to everything. It, by being central, it became the thing that oriented everything else. This is the moment of disorientation, right? If you've been used to doing, a, if you're a, a nerd who's done some laboratory experiment stuff, you know you have to calibrate your equipment, right? You have to make all of your equipment sort of speak to the same thing, right? The same way that when you tune up an orchestra to play, everybody's got to tune to the same note. Well, the whole universe was designed to be tuned to the same note, to be calibrated to the same thing. It was to God as the ultimate being. See, once you get ultimate in place, everything else can find its place, can it? But what happens when you no longer acknowledge ultimate? Well, everything gets out of place now. And and that's the collapse that's being described here in verse 23, 24, 25. Then you get to verse 26, more crumbling. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions, right? It's interesting word there, dishonorable. God said they did not honor him as God and he gave them up to dishonorable passions. How do we figure out what's honorable? Well, you have to have God in the equation because you have to start by honoring him as ultimate as God. And then what is dishonorable, listen, is not what I say is dishonorable. I'm not the measuring rod. What God is to be honored, he's the source of all things. And so whatever I look out in his creation and I say, that's honorable, that's honorable, that's honorable. Hey, that term's already spoken for. It's about God. It's honorable because it's, it's answering to what the creator set it in place to do. It becomes dishonorable when it stops answering to that. And listen to where this verse goes. Which verse am I in? 26. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions, for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty of their error. Now, this is, this is the scriptures. This is the letter to the Romans. It is not a document that was written in the last decade. Because I know, listen, I want to be sensitive to people coming from a variety of viewpoints, maybe watching. Uh, it's like, oh my gosh, can you guys talk about anything else? Well, quite honestly, I actually rarely talk about homosexuality and sexual uh, deviation from God's plan. It comes up, but I didn't bring it up here. This is the scriptures trying to explain how Humanity collapsed into its current state and is in need of God to rescue us. It is the Bible in Romans chapter 1, which is written halfway through the first century. It is not since, well, post-1960s and 70s. No. This is not some current, let me come up with an idea to push back because I don't like that idea personally. So let me spin the Bible to agree with me because, hey, where I grew up, You know, I come from the country and we just don't think that way. And boys are boys and girls are girls. Okay. Hey, that's fine. You can say that if you want, but I don't really care where you're from. And I don't care how you grew up. Don't impose your value system that came from Timbuktu on me. But that's not what this is doing. This is saying there was a God who created everything and he's to be honored. He's to be acknowledged. He created it purposefully. And it is very interesting here because you go all the way back to Genesis with this. It's very interesting that where the scriptures unpack this collapse starts with an abandoning of male and female. We haven't gotten to the rest of the list yet. It starts with abandoning God's design for male and female. That's going to be a problem in God's equation. Because again, things are 
collapsing because God's not being honored. And this is what's being unpacked, right? Then we get to just the, the further decay in verse 29, right? Building is getting reduced to the ground at this point. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanders, haters of God. Right now, listen, if I, if I, if I dig amongst the rubble and I'm a little bit self-honest, some of that rubble sounds like me. Not all of it. Some of it sounds like me. Some of it sounds like me before I knew Christ. The list is fairly long of that which sounds like me before I knew Christ. Unfortunately, some of it still sounds like me. So, you know, here's what's an interesting thing to do. And I will not take an opportunity to miss reminding us of this because we live in a loud, obnoxious, arrogant time. And how easy is it for us to sit here and read? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Bible's got something to say about that homosexuality. Mm-hmm. That same-sex marriage and all that stuff those liberals are trying to do in our country. Yep. Bible's got something to say about it, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. All right, just keep reading. <laughs> Till you find yourself in the list. All right, because when I get to... I don't get out of verse chapter... If you want to find me, I'm in verse 29. I'm not in the previous verses, but I am in verse 29. Before I had any idea who Christ was, unrighteousness of all kinds, evil, yep, check that box. Covetousness, oh my. Malice, uh, a bit. Envy, absolutely. Murder, not that anybody knew of. Um, (laughs) Strife, professional. Deceit, beyond professional. Um, All these things, I see me in there. I'm in the pile of rubble. Can can I make a bigger deal out of something in this passage that most Christians need to worry more about than whether or not you're going to turn homosexual or going to pursue a same-sex marriage? It's what ends verse 29 and starts verse 30. They are gossips and slanderers. Gossips and slanderers made the list. People who take bits of information about somebody else's story. They help themselves to it, to narrate it for others, to present it to them. There could be, in their mind, good reasons to present it to them. I'm concerned, see. So in my concern, I need to share some of this. And of course, share it with the right people, which can I just tell you, very seldom do I come across people who have shared it with the right people. They gave themselves permission to share it. And sometimes that information is questionable information about this person. So what it's going to do without context, without any explanation, which you'll never get because this person managing the gossip is not going to give all that to you, probably because they don't know it. So they give you a decontextualized version of somebody's life with little bitty bits and pieces and you're going to fill in the rest and at the end of the day, you're going to think less of that person. You're going to be suspicious of them at the end of the day. That's gossip and slander. That's what that is. It's still that even if you share it in the form of a prayer request. We really need to be praying for so-and-so. Oh, really? Well, yeah. I'm, I'm really concerned. Okay. So that makes you a prayerful gossip. And a concerned gossip. Congratulations. That's a little bit of an upgrade. But can I just install this for you? Gossip and slanderer in this list lives right next door to haters of God. Paul doesn't miss a beat. 
He could go from gossip, slander, haters of God. Next thing out of his mouth, haters of God. Oh, Paul, doesn't, that, doesn't the gossip thing kind of belong in a, like a junior category? It's just like junior rubble. No. Oh, oh, that the body of Christ would be as allergic to gossip as it is to same sex issues. That we're looking out there and we're pointing out to all of them out there what's bad about their lives while we're sitting here in the same list. Dishonoring God who installed gossip and slander right next to the words God hater. It's in the list with murderers. Humbling, isn't it? Very humbling. But this is the weight of this collapse. This is how it finds its way into the human story. It gets described this way. This is the rubble. But my concern this morning is to take us back to the Jenga moment. The moment when something got pulled and the whole place collapsed. And that's verse 21. They did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. What Romans speaks of as acknowledging God, that's not just acknowledging like, well, yeah, I'm, I believe there's a God. Sure. Oh, yeah, I believe or that, you know, hey, man, me and the man upstairs, you know, and the man, the big man, big man, the man upstairs. Can I tell you, I don't know if I'm going to offend half the room here or not, but if you use that kind of language, it screams, you don't really know God very well. He is Yahweh, the personal God revealed as the creator who has a storyline of sending his own son into this world to redeem a fallen race of human beings back to himself out of his perfection and righteousness and love and mercy and grace. He is not a landlord that you speak about like he's the dude upstairs that screams you can't find your Bible. There is a statement being made here about acknowledge him. What does it mean to acknowledge him? Well, it means to honor him as God and to give him thanks. There's something about God being right in our understanding of who he is that will generate in us an honoring of him and a giving him thanks. If the giving him thanks and the honoring is not coming from us, then, then we aren't acknowledging him the way these scriptures are describing him. And what happens when you stop acknowledging God this way? This cataclysmic collapse takes place. And it's right in this passage, right? They did not honor him and thank him. They became futile in their thinking and their hearts were darkened. They did not and they became. They did not and they became. It's classic cause and effect structure. They didn't do this and this was the outcome. So there is this Jenga moment, if you will, that highlights the fact that giving thanks to God is not a small thing. It's a massive thing. It's the little piece that once your heart gets so disconnected, unaware, untapped into, failing to see the revelation of God all around us, once that begins to happen, my heart gets busy with other stuff. And giving thanks to God stops happening and the collapse is beginning to happen. Listen, I know we're ready for Black Friday, but Thanksgiving is massively important. The failure to see God in such a way that generates our Thanksgiving begins a massive collapse. Sam Crabtree has written an outstanding book. I recommend my wife actually read it and turned me on to it. Practicing gratefulness, he says, it's almost impossible to overestimate the tragic outcomes of failing to be grateful. The very dividing line between glory and dishonor is whether a person gives thanks or not. Idolatry itself springs from thanklessness toward our creator. Isn't that what Romans 1 just showed us? Once they didn't acknowledge God, honor him, give thanks to him, the idolatry took over in their lives. Thanklessness 
toward the provider has unraveled paradise, ruined peace in the human race, and put the entire planet under a curse of enmity, decay, pain, and childbearing, thorns, and death. Thanklessness is the root of homosexuality, covetousness, envy, murder, and a whole array of foolish and faithless derailments. Really? It's that big a deal? Well, look at how it's located in this Romans 1 presentation of the condition of our world. I think I wrote these thoughts in your outline. What's presented in Romans 1, these descriptions of acknowledging God, giving thanks, honoring him, all, they all seem to sit in the same place. They're similar. They seem to be describing man who is oriented correctly around God. When I am oriented correctly around God, there is an honoring of God that takes place. When I see God ultimately in my universe, I thank him because I know everything comes from him. They are properly tethered to creation's origin. But when one loses the origin, they become disoriented. When that happens, the, def- the redefining begins, which leads to all kinds of sin. We redefine the honorable universe that God created, and we turn everything into something else. To go back to John Piper's thought. There is a deity, an infinitely marvelous being who made the world. The world in its molecular and visible and galactic structure and order bears the mark of an architect. If there is such an all-powerful, infinitely glorious God who made all things, then I too am his creature. And everything I have is from him. Everything I have is from him. Acts chapter 17, verse 24 says this. And hold on to these categories. I'm going to use them for our exercise this week. This is, this is the Apostle Paul walking into Athens. People are interacting with the concept that, hey, might there be gods out there? Might there be some kind of higher power? But they, you know, haven't figured out much in that. So there's a little bit of a, hey, maybe God is out there somewhere. Paul explains God to them this way. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, doesn't live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. Breathe with me. Where'd that come from? I hadn't thought about that. I don't know how many times your eyes have blinked while you have been in this room. You didn't even have to think about it. The God of the universe did. Made sure your eyes were freshly watered. Ever thought about thanking God because your eyes blink without you having to think about it? I mean, this is the kind of exercise I want you to do this week. To realize the God of the universe who started everything. He gave us everything. None of this stuff reports back to something besides him. Your heart is beating. I don't know how many times it's beat since you've been here. You didn't think about it once, did you? Well, that's just what hearts do. Ah, really? Who told you that? Well, a doctor told me that. Uh, Houses just appear on lots, too, if you just wait long enough. (laughs) Verse 26. He made from one man every nation of mankind to dwell on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. Verse 27 that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. 
All right, now you get a strategy here, right? This, this verse, that, when you see words like that in the scripture it's, or therefore in the scripture, you want to back up a little bit and say, hey, why is this summary moment right here in the scripture? Well, you back up the God who made the world, everything in it, everything that exists. Why do you do that? Well, so that you'd seek him and you'd feel your way along the walls of this creation and you'd find him. Why did he do it all the way he did? See, this is why man is without excuse, because God says, I put clues about me everywhere. And I get, you're going to have to feel your way along. The existence that God has made and everything that he just described. People groups that he created, nations that he created, the existence of things, the world that he's made, the world that doesn't give anything back to him, but he gives everything to it. God has designed creation so that if you and I walk up and touch it, if I I touch this, its design is to speak to me about God. And it does, doesn't it? Because I I know something about this thing standing. Somebody put this here. I I in no way just assume what just happened. Just happened. I mean, I don't know, molecules formed, metal here, kind of rubbery stuff here. It all just got, got together and just assembled itself. And next thing you know, it's usable equipment. It just happened. Walk around your life. Put your hands on every person in your life. You're you're touching part of the everything in your life. Everything, everything testifies about this God. So therefore, for me to respond correctly to everything is to honor him as God and to give thanks for whatever I can touch in my front row, in my life in the car I'm going to get in and drive home today. Everything is, if I just feel my way, don't, don't sit in God's universe and act like, there ain't no such thing as hydrogen. Ain't no such thing. I don't believe in all that. I can't see it, Keith. Hello. Okay. Um, we all recognize there are things to be discovered that you don't discover by using that method, you get discovered by using this one. There are, there's different ways to discover things. God of the universe is telling you, can he just tell you? I've, I've touched so many things that have my fingerprints all over it that you are without excuse. If you don't seek me and find me. He's actually not very far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being as even some of our own poets have said. For we are indeed his offspring. Listen, he, he is the origin and the definer of our existence. Right? You got these great little categories in here. You got, you got people in this passage. He made from one man every nation. Well, so he made nations, he made clans, and he made tribes, and he made your family group and your ancestors and the people that you came from. He, he is responsible that people are in Australia or they're in an African jungle or, or, or they're from Shalmet. I mean, God's responsible for all of that. <laughs> Did that for you, Keith. The people that you come from, maybe you were an only child. Maybe you were part of a big family growing up, right? If you can touch it, there's something about honoring God. Maybe right now you're here and, and you're, you're single and, and you, you wish you were married. And part of this exercise is a difficult exercise because it, it, is, it is giving thanks to God by not removing him from your singleness by being able to honor him as God and give thanks for right where you are. Maybe, maybe you didn't score real high on the ACT and you need to go to the ideal college and you feel like that was some kind of a, a shaft that you got in life. You missed an opportunity and you're looking for somebody to blame. God's not looking for you to blame him. He's looking for you to thank him. It's a fact of life. We just all don't have the same IQ in this room. And that's not because, well, you had an advantage. You grew up in this neighborhood. You had more money or your relatives were this. The God of the universe made everything, everything 
There's uniqueness about our lives that's under the handiwork of God. And even the fallenness in this world, God is superintending in such a way that we can stare even at it and say, God, thank you. There's something about you in this. And bring glory and honor to his name. So here's my question for us. I'm going to give you an exercise to take home with you. I'm going to let you take a picture of a screen in just a second. Let me, let me get a couple of these thoughts before us. My question for me, for us, as we enter into Thanksgiving week, this is a great opportunity, right? Because Thanksgiving is on Thursday. So that means we've got today, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And quite honestly, if you venture into these categories, you'll realize you need more time to cultivate thoughts and categories and depth of thankfulness. But how am I doing, right? Remember, the, the great collapse of humanity begins with just the removal of honoring him as God and failing to give him thanks. Right, so I don't, I don't think Romans 1 is attempting to say, hey, make sure you, yeah, hey, all you guys who preach from this verse, make sure you pick this up and say, hey, you know how this first collapse happened? The exact same thing's going to happen to you over here if you do this later. I don't think that's why this verse is in the scriptures. <clears throat> but it is explaining some things that you and I will not escape. The universe is intended to tap back into its creator. That's how it's designed. So we're supposed to turn to him and acknowledge him and not just acknowledge he exists, but to honor him as God and give him thanks. Now, you know, giving thanks takes a little bit of thought, doesn't it? Right? And isn't it sad this week? A lot of people are going to celebrate something called Thanksgiving and they're going to posture themselves to be thankful and they've got no object for their thanks. Just a mood. It's kind of like, just be happy. Go ahead. <laughs> Just be thankful. But I, I have to have something to be thankful for. And the second I describe something, it's under the everything umbrella. And so now I have someone to be thankful to. So you really can't be thankful unless there's a, there's a someone at the end of this thing. And that's what we want to capture. Sam Crabtree in his excellent book says, just encourage us to practice this. He says, there can be no fence setting. Either we give thanks and reap the beneficial byproducts or we don't give thanks and thereby accrue painful and regrettable consequences to ourselves. You can intentionally choose to not be grateful and you can unintentionally and passively remain blind and indifferent, but you can't choose the consequences that will follow. Ingratitude will take you where you don't want to go and keep you there longer than you want to stay while charging you more than you want to pay. Remember, ingratitude fosters many maladies, right? That posture, it's a posture of heart. It's an alienation from God. The inability to be thankful is the inability to see things about God. So it postures us a certain way and it alienates God from us, right? So he says, ingratitude fosters many maladies from bitterness to suicide. And fasten your seatbelt for the following countercultural statement. Thanklessness lurks behind homosexuality, envy, murder, and more. Right, without Romans chapter 1. So why are you preaching a Thanksgiving message from Romans chapter 1? That's why. Because Romans chapter 1 connects our lives to something that's not a small thing. It's a big thing. Theologically, practical life, it's a big thing. I can't finish this without talking to Mr. Charles Spurgeon just for a moment. Charles, what do you have to say about this? Charles says, those... Do not glorify God as God who do not trace all their good things to God. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. But many ungrateful hearts forget this truth and receive the blessings of this life with dumb mouths and cold hearts. Ah. Let us not be among that group. Let us work hard at engaging 
what God has done and his worthiness to be honored and to be thanked and to put that into practice. So here's what I want you to do. I'm going to make this really simple for you. You can actually take a picture of these things. Everybody get your phone out. This is the one moment that I'm encouraging phone use. Everybody get your phone out. I'll just give you a couple of slides to take a picture of. Um, do we have that first one? There we go. All right, take a picture of that verse. That's the verse. It's in your outline. Oh, actually, I don't know if it's printed, so you may want to just hold on to this. You can obviously get it off uh, the information online. But, but in this verse is laid out some categories. And you can develop your own categories. Uh, matter of fact, I just I looked through some stuff online. A hundred things to thank God for. And it was there, some of them were super creative and thought, ah, oh, that, ah, oh, I would have never thought about that. Lord, ah, oh, that's a good one. And it just generated thinking for me. So whatever helps you just to, just to go nuts with, you know, crazy stuff, right? God, my, my heart beat all night long without me having even worried about it. Lord, my eyes blinked today and you were in charge of it. Just whatever it is that draws your attention to the creator who is sustaining your world and interacting with you intentionally, right? But here's some categories I would pull out of that verse, right? So you can take a picture of this next slide and spend some time. I'll make them daily assignments for us, right? So this, this is, it means acknowledging, honoring, and thanking God. These are headlines. You fill them in. Right, so you take each one of these, right? When Acts 17 says, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth. All right, just start pondering creation. Just start thinking about what God created. All the complexity, all the amazing engineering marvels of everything that exists in our universe, that exists in our lives, the weather cycles and the beauty and the colors and the textures. I hope you can never look at a tree again the same way, without, right, touching it. If you would stumble along and find your way to him, right now, I know most of us in this room are believers already, but find my heart's nearness to him by just staring at that tree long enough for something in me to become aware. God made that. And he could have made it so boring, but he made that one taller than all the other ones. And its leaves change and fall to the ground. Oh, by the way, color. What a crazy idea. Could have all been black and white. Could have looked like an old World War II movie. But it's colorful. God, right? So there's lots to thank God about. How about, all right, so that's today. How about Monday? Pick up Acts saying, he himself, he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything, right? So think about you as a person. Think through your life, the life that you've had, the life that you've been afforded. Think about the difference your life perhaps could have been had you been born in a third world country and been facing different circumstances than the ones that, maybe they were hard, but maybe they were not that. How about breath? How about health? Think through your health, what God has afforded your health to look like. Think through talents that are in your life and skills, that are in your life and personality that is in your life, right? These, everything, everything, right? You, you super laid back and chill. Have you thanked God for that? Are you really, really kind of all over everything and detail oriented? Have you thank God for that? This comes from God. Everything is from him, right? That's Monday. Then Tuesday, First introduces us, he made, he made from one man every nation of humankind to live on all the face of the earth. Everywhere there are people scattered. They're not accidentally scattered. They're not accidentally randomly there. God, everything God did. So what about the people in your life? Your family. Just think through them. Your friends. Your church, people who have been in your life. Influential people. Think through who was in your life when you were 12 or when you were 20, when you were at that turning point, when you were going through a crisis, when you needed some advice or somebody modeled something for you, lived a life in front of that compelled you and your life has been shaped by their life. You stop to ponder all that God has done in arranging nations and people all around your life for such an influence. All right, that's Tuesday. Wednesday, this passage says that he had determined 
their allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. The allotted periods, the seasons of your life. God allotted them. How long did that season last? Too long, not long enough. Well, be careful. He allotted seasons and boundaries. You live here, you don't live there. And if I picked up there over there, well, thank God I don't live there. Oh, but I wish I lived here. All right, pull God into this moment. Be thankful. You are where God has ordained for you to be. Everything, everything is from him. That's Wednesday. And then Thursday. This passage begins with the God who made the world. And then God's invitations that they should seek God and find him. This God wants to be found by us. Well, why didn't he do this? Why didn't he do this? Look, take that up when you stand face to face because he just said he did a bunch of stuff and he said it's perceivable and it's all crystal clear. Whatever it is you're about to suggest, it's a bad idea. He did what was perfect to reveal himself to his creation and he wants to know us. So on Thursday, if you do, if you do know Jesus, if somehow you touched a couple of things in your life and they spoke back to you, and suddenly you realized he was real, he exists. I remember the day I heard a phrase, it's so simple, and people have said it to so many people, and I'm sure I heard it before, but there was a moment when God has a plan for your life. I'd heard all those words in my life. I still remember where I was. I still remember the person who said it. He leads our alpha ministry. I sat in a gymnasium at 14 years old and heard that phrase. And it made me want to go home and figure it out. What does that mean? God has a plan for my life. I went and found a Bible. Started picking it up and reading it. And the God in that Bible became more and more and more real. But it, the, up until that moment, you understand, I'm, I'm this little suburban punk kid. I'm not interested in God. Why did I sit in that meeting and suddenly my heart wanted to know this God? And I started feeling my way around. I just started touching things. And somehow that, those words, that concept, it, it reached back to me and touched me. And then I picked up a Bible and I touched it and it reached back and it touched me. Listen, if you want to find God, he wants you to find him. He will make things come to life to us. And when they do, they orient everything else about our world. Meeting Jesus as a freshman in high school, it changed everything about my life. My understanding of everything that's on these lists. So listen, if you're, if you're here with us today, you're watching by live stream. God does this kind of stuff. There's this moment where God becomes real. Maybe he hadn't been to you up until that moment for whatever reason. And let's take responsibility ourselves. They did not see fit to acknowledge God. Listen, quite honestly, I'm too busy. I'm too into other stuff to acknowledge God, to honor him, to need him. And by his grace, God steps in and puts the brakes on that and grabs our attention. And maybe you're here this morning and God's grabbing your attention this morning. Maybe he's revealing himself to you and letting you find him. He's been all around you. He's like, he's more plentiful than hydrogen. He's been there. But now, suddenly, it's 1766 and you go, oh my gosh, God really does exist. Well, this morning, or if you're watching, you can, you can turn to him in faith. You can receive him into your life. He's revealed himself so that he can come and dwell in your life. He can breathe his own life back into you. 
the distance can be closed and the discovery of God can begin in intimate relationship. This is the whole story of the Bible. This is why God sends his son. So maybe today is what you can be thanking God for on Thursday. For some of us, we go back years to remember that there is a moment in which my faith leapt out toward God and I honored him as my God. Not just some force in the universe, not some impersonal name. You are my creator. You know the hairs on my head. You know my name. And you have a purpose for me. And you've sent your son to restore me, to forgive my sins and to bring me back into relationship with you. I honor you as God and I thank you for that. So if you want to do that this morning, put everything I just said just now into words. And pray that to God. If, you want to, if you're watching, you want to do that, just turn to God today. Let's bow our heads just for a moment. If anybody here wants to turn to God that way. Just express your heart to him. You can say something like this. Father, I recognize today you're the source of everything. Everything that's been created. Every day. Every moment, everything I can see, everything I can hear, everything I can know, you created it all. And you set it in place so that I would notice you and would come to you and seek you. Well, this morning, God, I'm coming to you and seeking you and I'm asking. I'm asking for you to come invade this life. I recognize you sent your son, Jesus, to live a life and to die a death that was about forgiving my sins so that I could come to you, so that forgiveness would be there and I could actually come and live with you. Today, I'm putting my trust and my faith, my hope in Jesus Christ to forgive my sins and bring me to God and begin this relationship with me. Come live in my life. Come do all that you desire for me to be and to do and to know from this day forward. I invite you today, Lord. Father, for many of us that are here, that's a prayer that we prayed perhaps years ago. And life has gotten noisy. Life has gotten busy. And Lord, maybe we are this week needing to recapture some ground of acknowledging you, of honoring you as God, of staring out into our life with the word everything hanging over it. Everything, everything is from you. And our response to be, Lord, thank you. One day of thanksgiving is not enough. Thank you, Lord, for all that you are, all that you have been, all that you will be. God, would you help us this week invigorate our souls Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday for a new practice of seeing and delighting in and thanking you for everything. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Guys, pray you have an incredible week this week, being with your families. Hey, listen, if you're here this morning and you'd like some prayer for something going on in your life, it could be any need. You just want to bring it before God. You want some folks to agree with you. Well, our prayer team is available. Come physical healing, financial need, maybe some challenges this week with getting together with family. Whatever it might be, we're here to pray with you and see God do something great in your lives. Bless you guys. You guys watching us by live stream, we love you, miss you. We hope we can see you soon.